just want to share an incredible story about the Holocaust. This story um, I read in a Sefer, which had the testimonies of different people, of stories that they witnessed during the Nazi occupation of Europe. One of the stories is told by a man who heard the story in a subway while he was riding the subway in New York City in 1963. And he sat down on a bench next to a person that he never met, a Jew. He struck up a conversation. And this man seemed to be a Holocaust survivor who survived the concentration camps. And the man tells him an amazing story. He was in a camp together with a famous Polish uh, Rebbe, Tzadik. His name was Reb Chuna Halberstam. He was one of the descendants of the Tzanzarov. He was known as the Koloshitzer Rebbe. He was a Rebbe, a Rov, in the city of Koloshitz. His grandfather was the Shinever Rov, Reb Cheskel Shinever. I come from Antwerp, Belgium. In Antwerp, there was a Rebbe who I happen to know, a Chassidish Rebbe from Poland, Rebbe Yankele. He was a Talmud of the Kolashitzerov. So I used to tell stories about him. And I remember him telling that, uh, I guess he remembered this from Poland, that when the Kolashitzerov was born, as I said, he was a, his father was the son of the Shinoverov. So the Shinoverov saw the baby, the infant that was born, and he said right away, he'll be a tzaddik. Then when the next child was born, also a son, and the Shinoverov, the grandfather, came to see the baby, he gave brachas, but he didn't say he'll be a tzaddik. So the mother of the baby said to her father-in-law, the Shinoverov, why didn't you say he'll be a tzaddik? He says, he'll be a good Jew, but I don't see the light that I saw on the first one. When the first one was born, I saw a light over his head. And him, I don't see it. So that's why I didn't say he'll be a tzaddik. So just an incidental side note. The Kolosh was killed by the Nazis. This Jew in the subway station told his friend, that he was sitting in the same cell. For some reason, they separated the Kolosh and this Jew put him in a separate cell. For whatever reason, uh, I don't think the guy was mentioning that in the story. And he said that it was, they were only there for a few days together. And he observed the Kolosh the way he was, the way he lived. Under the circumstances, as we can imagine, how dire they were. It was Friday evening, and the Kolosh was getting ready for Shabbos. Now, there's nothing physically there that uh, you can get uh, ready for Shabbos with. But to him, it didn't matter. Shabbos is coming, and the, 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 the spirit of Shabbos, the Ruchnis of Shabbos, that is no difference whether it's a concentration camp or it's in a shul in his town, which, which surrounded by thousands of chassidim. It didn't make a difference to him. So he got ready for Kabbalah Shabbos. He says that the Kolosh who you know didn't have the attire, the, the, the normal Shabbos attire, was dressed in the same striped uniform they gave all the prisoners. But he 
prepared for Shabbos and Kabbalah Shabbos with the same excitement as you can imagine he had when he was in his, you know, natural place, in Kolashitz, in his shul. He says, I began to sing L'chun Neranano, and his face turned red with excitement, and he was literally dancing from great joy. It took him like maybe two hours to dive in Kabbalah Shabbos. He sang L'chodaydi, he danced. You could see the man was in another universe, as if this whole surroundings of the, of the, of the concentration camp was totally gone. He was back to his own shul in his town, and, and uh, surrounded by thousands of chassidim and dancing together, it's as if he was in another universe. And he davened like this for several hours, and when he finished davening, he started getting ready for Kiddush. He sang Shalom Aleichem for about a half an hour. Also with great excitement, you could see the man was literally living it and totally oblivious to the surroundings. And then he prepared for Kiddush. No, didn't have anything to make Kiddush on. So he turned to me and asked me if I have a piece of bread. He wants to make Kiddush on something. So I told him I have a little piece of stale bread that left over. If he wants, he can have it. I gave it to him and he started saying Kiddush. And he took off again with such passion and excitement. Every word of Kiddush. But he was just, it took him about 20 minutes to say Kiddush. When he finished Kiddush, he broke off a piece, a crumb of that stale piece of bread that I gave him. He said, I'm to lechem in the with great kavana. And then he said, okay, now it's time to fulfill the tradition of having gefilte fish, or fish. Dogim on Shabbos, fish on Shabbos is a great tradition by many Jews, has Kabbalistic meaning. Dag is seven, Dilal Dalat Gimel which is Shabbos, the seventh day, and also Dag is the hidden world, the spiritual world. Shabbos Hashem exposes the spiritual world to those that are susceptible to it. So he wanted to fulfill that spiritual tradition of eating fish. So he put up another crumb, he said, this will be instead of fish. And he started eating with great kavana again. You know, deep thought, he ate and chewed on that piece of crumb, and his mind was deeply engrossed in the deeper meaning of, uh, the, of eating fish on Shabbos. Then came the next course. It was, it, was, it was a kugel. Kugel also has deep spiritual significance. So he took another crumb and said, this would be instead of kugel. And then he put it in his mouth and, and ate that little crumb. And again, his face turned red with excitement and deep in thought about the meaning of Kugel according to Kabbalah, according to Hasidus. And then finally he said, oh, another crumb, because there's an Indian in his family, there was a tradition, a spiritual tradition to eat simas. Simas is, is a Yiddish word for a sweet carrot, which is special delicatesse for Ashkenazi Jews. And many Jews had a spiritual tradition that simas on Shabbos, so he says, oh, this should be, he declares loudly, this should be instead of Tzimus. Now this man who's telling the story in the subway, says, I'm sitting there and watching this, this Jew literally being like out of his mind. 
is thinking about Tzimus. So I couldn't resist the urge and I burst into laughter and I said, Rebbe, you have Tzimus on your mind. Do you know where we are? Wake up. Look, you know, face reality. This is a, a Nazi camp. We're going to die here. And the Rebbe opened his eyes and looked at me very sternly. He said to me, I want you to know one thing. A Jew must have a Muna. A Muna in the Irish, no matter what. No matter what happens to him. He has a full trust in Hashem. That whatever Hashem does is the right thing. And he, and he accepts it. And he never falters in his faith in Hashem. No matter what. He has to believe that everything is Ben Hashemayim. And never let go for a moment from his connection and commitment a relationship with Hashem, regardless of the circumstances. Then he said to me, here, he took out a handkerchief from his pocket, said to me, I'm giving it to you. Hold on to this. I promise you that as long as you hold on to this handkerchief, it's my handkerchief, so I'm telling you that if you hold on to this handkerchief, you'll be alive. No harm will come to you. And with that, he finished his meal. Three days later, unfortunately, Hashem Yinkaim Damai, the Rebbe was no longer with us. This Jew who's telling the story said, I held on to that handkerchief. I was deeply taken by this, by this experience that I had watching this man serve Hashem, a Kabbalah Shabbos, a Kiddush like this, a Sudas Shabbos like this. I saw the power of the neshama prevailing over the body. That he lived in a world of neshama, not in the world of a body. He was able to transcend the physical circumstances of the body and what the, the circumstances of the body found itself in and live in another world, the world of the neshama. And to him, this was the real world. Nothing distracted him. It made a deep impression on me. I held on to this handkerchief till the end of the war, but with time, the handkerchief fell apart. The very end of the war, there was only a few threads left. So I tied those threads to my finger to make sure I don't lose any of it, because I knew my life depends on it. These threads were my threats to life. And indeed I survived. This is an amazing story, an amazing story of a Jew who can live in the deepest annals of darkness and destruction. And yet when Shabbos comes, he transcends everything. And he lives in the world of Shabbos.